0: Welcome to the re release project of the Keeping Things Alive podcast, which is the republication of episodes that were originally recorded and published between 2016 and 2020 out of Western New York. My name is Laura Evans. I am a former environmental lawyer, planner, and nonprofit staffer. I also wrote a book called Silent Seasons Chasing Sustainability Through the Law. The Keeping Things Alive podcast is here to explore the opportunities and challenges as we all live together on this beautiful, living, and interconnected planet Earth. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Keeping Things Alive podcast. Today, I am sharing my interview with Rebecca Sophia Strong, who is another leader of the 2015 Rise Up for Climate Justice movement. She was, I would call her the, one of the faces of this particular campaign. She was hired by Sierra Club as the main organizer of two of the biggest events. Uh, One of them was the rally in Niagara Square. And then the other one was the gathering over Thanksgiving weekend, which everyone shared a meal. There was some ceremony. And that really got people um, prepared for the climate uh, talks in Paris. And I was really, right off the bat, just impressed with her energy and ability to bring people together, talk about difficult things in a public space. She's she's just very good at tapping into um, things that are really important to people. So... Rebecca is technically a contemplative psychotherapist, social artist, and a yoga teacher. She has an amazing uh, life history of adventure and collecting experiences. She has studied the 13.8 billion year history of the universe and Earth primarily through the work of Dr. Brian Swim. We talk about that a lot and how that particular perspective can really expand your mind and affect the way that you live on a day-to-day basis now. Um, She has worked as a consultant for organizations such as the Colorado Bioneers four years ago and, as I mentioned, the Sierra Club Niagara Chapter Rebecca is a good friend of mine, and I was very fortunate to meet her in the fall of 2015. I, I look up to her. I enjoy her yoga DVDs, which if you'd like to check out, you can go to www.movementasmedicine.com. And I just think that she is a wonderful human being that brings so much energy and life wherever she goes. So please enjoy my interview with Rebecca Sophia Strong. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Laura. How are you doing? I'm great. All right. Thanks for being here today. I'm going to start right off the bat. And I want to ask you, uh, when people ask you what you do,
1: how do you answer that question? Mm -hmm. Sure. So I'm a full-time psychotherapist. Uh, trained in the contemplative psychology tradition. Uh, Can you explain what contemplative psychology tradition is, just really briefly? Really briefly, sure. So it's um, it's a training that incorporates um, scholastic understanding of psychology, both Eastern and Western psychology. Um, and then that's coupled together with experiential understandings of different states of mind and how to incorporate both theory and practice in uh, sitting with people. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Continue. I just wanted sure. to define that yeah. term
0: really quickly.
1: Great, great. So that's my day job. Uh-huh. Um, I also <laughs> teach yoga, hatha yoga, mm-hmm. um, and I um, have been developing two different bodies of work for the past 20-plus years, one is called Movement as Medicine, which incorporates yoga and dance, and that's um, based on building community through um, through the social arts. Um, and then the other project incorporates the 13.8 billion-year scientific story of the universe together with movement to get at an experiential understanding of where we are.
0: So that's awesome. Yeah, and I, I have... Ben, you know, participating in that a little bit. I, I really love your yoga DVDs. They've been really helpful to work on at my house and I like the I don't know, the structure of it. It's really it's really wonderful. So, good job. That's great. Um how do you play out the second part of your work with the story of the universe? Where does that come into play mm-hmm. in, you know, the real world? Like how do if you had an event that incorporated the uh the story of the universe, what would you, what would you do for that? Or how have you done that in the past?
1: Sure. Um, well, the, the project is called the Embodied Cosmology Project and it's got two branches. One branch is a 15 part non-formal movement based and art based science curriculum that goes through the 13.8 billion year scientific story. And then the second branch of the project is a, a stage production called Cosmogenesis, and I've actually performed it as a one-woman show um, from the East Coast to the West Coast um, for the past several years. Um, but its its true expression um, is a multi-cast um, uh, performance. So that's hopefully still hanging out there on the event horizon nice. waiting to happen.
0: Very cool. So it's a yeah performance art type of work. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me of of your TED talk that you did uh, fall 2015, mm-hmm. I believe. And do you want to does that touch
1: in on this at all? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I've been a person who, you know, grew up in the country in Niagara County and was extremely impressed as a young person um, by nature and having very experiential um, moments in my, in my body and in my awareness in the natural world. Um, that kind of ignited a curiosity in me about science, um, but I was also always a mover and a dancer, and so later in life, as I learned more about cosmology through the work of Dr. Brian Swim, um, I was uh, just bringing in. I had to move the story. It, it it created such energy in my in my body and in my awareness that that I actually had to express in response to the science. It was deeply poetic and deeply moving to me. Um, so my TED talk is called "Our 13.8 Billion Year Somatic Wisdom," and so my my you know we grew up in the West. Those of us who grew up in the West, you know, we're inheriting um, we're inheriting like the Cartesian worldview where nature and the soul, or nature and the body, are separate. And then you know, Newtonian physics came in after that. The big clockmaker, you know. So this compartmentalization of the natural world and and the peop- and humans kind of being separate from that. And for me, um, the the science, the the understanding of the cosmos is so intimate and um, so somehow getting, like, because I personally my personal organic response to the science was was to move and kind of get inside of it and understand it more deeply than just sitting and reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started to create environments where people could embody that deeper understanding. It's not interpretive dance, very, very far from it. It's more about getting inside of the mind of the cell mm-hmm. and getting inside of the life, getting inside of the life within us, yeah, at, that has this long evolutionary path and past and future, and so that the TED Talk illuminates um, the kind of the evolution of my project.
0: Yeah, I, I've I've seen it; it's great, and I liked how you had participants. You know that you had obviously planned out, but they came up and mm-hmm. you were able to direct them to act out how yeah cells. Mm-hmm got together and went apart and all the different things so that was it was a really good visual and I can imagine that the people participating in it mm. probably felt it on a different level so yeah that was it's really good I, I like it thank you for doing it
1: Thanks, thank you
0: <laughs> so I, I'm glad you mentioned um, growing up in Niagara County and so I, I want to take us back there mm-hmm. uh, to say about how old you are and things, but. What would be um, a vivid memory of growing up in Niagara County that you know, has, you know, has a nature component to it and influenced, you know, who you are today?
1: Mm hmm. Sure. So, right. I grew up just north of the Erie Canal and south of the belly, the southern belly of Lake Ontario um, in one of the most beautiful counties in the country, but yet still largely undiscovered. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And I was fortunate enough. Didn't always feel that way when I was growing up, mm-hmm. but, uh, especially looking back, I was fortunate enough to grow up, you know, on a lot of land and there was, um, was surrounded by orchards and cornfields, um, and a hedgerow that, that a bald eagle used to nest in. And, I grew up with a mom who wasn't afraid of the natural world, so she would let me roam for hours. Um, but one of the most vivid experiences, I remember being six or seven, must have been early fall. I was um, out making mud pies. My <laughs> feet were bare, my hands were bare. I remember it was kind of chilly. And there was this moment, my feet were, you know, it was wet. My feet were muddy. And I, we grew up with this giant red maple in our backyard. And I remember the, the, the wind picking up and moving through the branches and through the leaves of the maple and the maple just dancing in response to the wind. And then directly in front of me was this, this cherry tree that I used to climb in and it produced fruit. And I was in love with that tree. And then I remember just Looking up into the sky, it was beautiful blue sky, giant cumulus clouds, really kind of cruising by. And I had this transpersonal moment as a child feeling like all of these elements um, were relating to each other and were connected and were interconnected and were creating um a story together, and I was a part of it. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you fit in there too. Absolutely, so, yeah. Nice. I, I, it was ecstatic. I think it was one of my first ecstatic moments mm-hmm. as as a human being, and and I felt absolutely held and um, contained by, um, like it was like these giant arms of of connectedness, and uh, it was uh, it was a moment that has influenced me.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you, that's beautiful. Um, have you had, you don't have to explain them in detail, but have you kind of carried that experience with you or have you experienced that again? Do you seek that out? Mm -hmm. Like, where does that fit into (laughs) you now?
1: (laughs) That's a great question. Do I seek it out? Absolutely. So, um, one of the things to know about me is that I haven't chosen the kind of traditional path. I chose, I opted to not become a mother, mm-hmm. I respect mothers. I'm glad my mother was a mother. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> glad to be here, right? Yeah. Um, and and that's not where I I chose to put my time and attention. And and instead, actually, I spent my whole twenties and thirties um, putting my energy and time and money into education and experience. And so I I did um, quite a bit of work out west. Yeah. Um, I,
0: I wanted to talk to you about that. Um, you're going to have to explain if you want to say it in chronological order, cause I'm not sure, but I know you spent time in, uh, California in San Francisco. Is that right? Um, or Oakland? I, I don't remember. And then also in Colorado. So if you could just talk about what, how you moved to those places, mm-hmm. what, what brought you there. And then, um, the main things that I don't know, occurred there that you still bring with you now? Um, Because I I don't know, I I did, you know, traveling as an adult. I lived somewhere else, and that is a huge part of who I am now. Mm -hmm. And so kind of curious about your own experiences with that.
1: That's great. Sure. Actually, in order to really do that justice, Laura, I'd have to go back to... Um, Another kind of transpersonal moment was when I was 16. Mm -hmm. I had the good fortune to be a Rotary Youth Exchange student, and I chose to go to Australia for a year. Oh, wow. And on this theme of communion or interconnectedness um, and experiences that have shaped me, I was one of 56 exchange students in this particular part of Melbourne, Australia, for a year, and we were from 16 different countries. Oh, cool! And we were all 15, yeah, 16, right. 17 years old. <laughs> and throughout our year abroad, we did about four or five different camping trips together. And one trip in particular really, really stands out. Uh, we were at In Ayers Rock, so the center of this, you know, ancient land. Um, we were all camping. We had great uh, adult guides and leaders with us really inspired the leadership within us standing around a campfire you know and sharing stories from our our homelands and and singing and i remember a woman from where was she from? From Tanzania introduced me to Tracy Chapman's music. Uh huh. (laughs) So we were singing together, all of these, these young people from around the world singing, talking about a revolution, Tracy Uh Chapman's. Yeah. You know that song, right? (laughs) Yeah. And it was just, again, this ecstatic, you know, like the stars were in the middle of, of this great, you know, continent Mm -hmm. in the Southern hemisphere. And, you know, we're all shapes and sizes and, Colors and I, I just and we're all singing and standing and dancing and um, and it was ecstatic to me. Like this is the world right here. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Um, look at the beauty of the human family, and it co- we come from everywhere, and we have this capacity for togetherness and understanding and celebration mm-hmm. and mutuality. And I was like, yes, this, this is it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And at your age too, that's that's beautiful. I yeah,
1: very good. So everything I do is trying to get back to that moment yeah, of bringing right. people together and um, mm-hmm. creating, celebrating what already is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: that's wonderful. So, so you did Australia that I did not know that, yeah. <laughs> and then. How long before, I don't, when did you leave Western New York? Mm-hmm. What did you do while you were gone? And then when did you come back? And obviously that is a question that you could answer for hours, but yes. in the interest of what we're doing, how sure. what would you say?
1: Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've always sought out education and I'm kind of an experienced junkie. Like, yeah I get that right
0: <laughs> or, I mean for myself so yes <laughs> uh,
1: yes you can relate yes um yeah so let's see somehow you know kind of moved moved west went did finished my undergrad out in the beautiful cascades of of Washington state mm-hmm. um for several different reasons and then found myself uh well, I studied cultural anthropology because I was like, you know, this world is divine. Like, look at all this diversity. I almost studied um, environmental science, and mm-hmm. it was too rote for me. There wasn't enough room for my own creativity, and so I chose anthropology, um, which then inspired me to live in Asia um, in my early twenties, mm-hmm. um, where in Asia did you live? Yeah. So I lived at the base of Mount Fuji in Shizuoka prefecture in Japan for wow. two years. Huh. I was actually married at the time, married wow. in my early twenties. Wow. Um, spent in
0: Japan or in I
1: got married in in Washington oh, actually in we Washington. got we got married in Washington and in New York oh um, okay but yeah because we were both you know from different sides of the continent got so it okay yeah we had to honor both families <laughs>
0: right yeah
1: so cool so Japan opened me up you know we inherited an apartment that came with a library, and in the library there was Natalie Goldberg and Alan Watts and the Dalai Lama and all kind of kinds of Buddhist books, and that started to influence my thinking. The Buddhists were the only people talking about pain. Mm-hmm. And um, one interesting thing about my my biography, and is probably also you know, inf- has influenced my activism, is that before i was 15 i knew about 15 people who had passed away starting with my father mm-hmm. so for some reason in my early 20s all of the sort of personal emotional pain from from my life kind of it was like a train hitting a hitting a wall and it just kind of all slammed into my awareness and so i had to really start digging deep into what what's the what's the purpose of this pain and what's the path through it? Because it's intense. Uh, and right. and so I started to look for guidebooks. I was actually hiking in the Annapurna region in Nepal in this tiny little Danish woman who I swear, I had just come from Lhasa, so the capital of Tibet. Mm-hmm. And I was in the Potala Palace looking through in the Potala Palace, which is where the the palace of the Dalai Lama, right, Mm -hmm. for generations and generations in the basement, there's like a museum and there's wax sculptures of each and every Dalai Lama. Mm -hmm. For some reason when I was there, the fifth Dalai Lama, I don't know if it was the lighting or what, but the fifth Dalai Lama like captured my fascination and I just, I kept staring at this, uh, you know, this three-dimensional wax image and like kind of reading the story about him. So then Fast forward, and I'm hiking in in the in the um, Annapurna regions of the Himalayas, and this short little Danish woman comes up to me and she's like, you, you really got to read this book, the Tibetan book of living and dying and I'm like, oh my god, she looks just like the fifth Dalai Lama. <laughs> no way, Whoa. and you know, you're hiking for 21 days on the, <laughs> on the Annapurna circuit and so people come and then they go and then like you all kind of keep walking and then you you meet you miraculously meet up like four days later with mm-hmm. some of the same people and you're like how's it going? So I literally this woman, we crossed each other's past three or four different times on these 21 days and she every time for some reason she like stop take this book out of her backpack and like basically like put it right in my face like you've got to read she didn't know anything about me (laughs) like okay 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 I got it I got it so I went back to Kathmandu bought a a copy um, and still have that book, but it was kind of the beginning of the, the, the deeper inner exploration. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was definitely a challenging time in my life. And I, and I was so grateful to the Buddhists because they were talking about death Yeah. and they were talking about pain and they were talking about how pain can lead to liberation and that pain, you know, when we work with our own pain, it gives us more tools to help, to be helpful to other people and, mm-hmm. and, and to them, maybe ultimately to the more than human world too.
0: I love that. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, so I guess if you want to mention any particular memories of either California or Colorado, Mm -hmm. but then also the coming back to Western New York, what was that experience like for you? And I mean I can I can ask you more questions along these lines but I what I want to do is get you back also to the mm-hmm. 2015 and the That's climate great. justice movement. So yeah. I mean take your time answering this but you're abroad and you're just seeing so you know your mind is expanding, your heart's expanding yes. and then what brings you back here and how? Um, yeah. then connecting with this climate justice movement.
1: That's great. Great, Laura. Thank you. Um, yeah, so well, coming back from Asia, I pursued a master's degree in psychotherapy, uh, contemplative psychology, like I had mentioned. And obviously now maybe it makes a little more sense why I wanted to study uh, in a tradition that brought both the Eastern and Western psychology together. Um, so I think, you know, Colorado for me, Boulder, I lived there for 10 years. Um, it's an incredible place. It's I I, I say often I grew up in Boulder, you know, Mm -hmm. I was there, um, pretty much from the time I was 28 to 38 or 26 to 36 or something like this. And so, um, you know, it's a hotbed of community, of consciousness, of activism, um, of, of wholeness, like what is wholeness? You know, there's a lot of, um, different, uh, spiritual practices that kind of get, gain traction there. Um, and a lot of somatic tools, like tools where we look at, at the, the, the healing of the body and the psyche through movement and, and, um, yeah, the healing arts. Um, so really my time there was, um, gosh, I got involved with the pioneers there. I got trained as a Pachamama, um, Alliance Awakening the Dreamer facilitator in Boulder. I was a pretty strong, devout Buddhist meditator practitioner, um, while I was in Boulder. Um, and that whole time, too, I have to say, the most influential thinker, I think the person who's influenced me the most is is the cosmologist Brian Swim. And I was actually, I found his work on my path to Boulder. And then during my graduate program and beyond, I was also learning um, this 13.8 billion year story of the cosmos and, and the earth, um, which that... Is what eventually took me to California because I wanted to study at his feet, uh-huh. and I and I got to. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I got to. Yeah. How how was what was that like? Oh gosh, um, can you ask me something more specific?
0: Sure. Well, I, I'll th- I'll try because um, Brian Swim is the person behind the recent documentary that was shown in Buffalo, um, Journey to the Universe, and. Um, so yeah, his just way of seeing the world and putting mm-hmm. history, human history and world history and yes. natural history in perspective is really pretty incredible and I think very freeing. So let's mm-hmm. see. So you'd, you've you been reading about him. You His work resonated with you. Mm-hmm. So I guess what what did you uncover by working with him in person that was unexpected compared to just... You know, reading his work, sure, or if there's a particular memory that illuminates that,
1: yeah, yeah. I I feel like he's you know he's this really interesting combination. I always call him a mystic scientist because you you just you get in the room with him and he this to me this energy comes through. The first time I saw him was on a VHS tape. I don't even know if you know if you were around, right? So, oh, I, yeah, I know. I'm I'm familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right so <laughs> 1997 I yeah. a friend uh-huh. you know shows me a VHS lecture of him and so these ecstatic moments that I made reference to of you know being six or seven and being outside barefoot and just feeling like I was a part of some kind of looping interconnected wholeness yeah and then again at 16 in the middle of Australia with you know the human family right and and so and then you know I I again experience and education have been kind of the things I've always sought. And when I came across Brian's work, he's ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Like like he's he's his his science is completely grounded. He's a mathematical physicist, you know, he's got a PhD in, in gravity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like wow. like his science is is solid and yeah. grounded, but the way he talks about it is completely poetic Mm -hmm. and it for some reason you know he talks a lot about the 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 relationship between the sun and the earth Mm. you know if you Mm -hmm. think about like if you think about back in time especially like the earth has formed it's it's one giant ocean the clouds kind of clear from this you know million year like lightning rainstorm um and and then the sunlight starts to penetrate through the ocean water. And we don't know exactly how, but, you know, single cellular life starts to, you know, evolve. And then sing- single cellular life kind of starts to respond to the sunlight before these cells were eating hydrogen. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they, st- can you, I mean, can you imagine, like, being one of those cells? Like, <laughs> dude, I'm going to catch a photon. Like, I'm going to yeah. catch light. And they, they, they... Without eyes, without ears, they fashion themselves in a way to be able to commune with the sun. And so my own creativity, I often compare it to that. I mean, obviously, how can you compare anything to that moment? But for some reason, the way Brian talks about the evolution of the cosmos lit lit up something in me that just unfolded a lot of creativity. Yeah, um,
0: that's great. I've I found a lot of... Um I don't know, like, peace from it, in mm. a way. It, mm. Like, you know, there's so many times when, you know, you can feel lonely or, you know, so yeah, healthy. just by yourself. But his, uh, his way of speaking and explaining things and teaching is very, um, yeah, it just for me, like brings peace or freedom or something like that. Yes, (laughs) and
1: that brings me to this memory of hearing Oren Lyons, who's a Haudenosaunee elder, Mm. right, which brings us back to New York. Right, right, right? yeah. So here we are in New York State, like the birthplace of democracy when we think about um, the time of the peacemaker, you know, the, the time if we think back to the Native stories and the Native people before um the 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 Europeans arrived here, you know, there I, I don't know this I'm not an expert in that story or that time frame, but you know, the story goes the native tribes were sparring mm. and this peacemaker came across Lake Ontario in a birch canoe, a canoe made of birch wood, and walked into the the commons and you know, over time convinced the the people to put down their weapons and to, to commit to uh, harmony, to commit to um, making decisions together, to commit to protecting the water and the land, mm-hmm. and to work together. And th- that became the Six Nations, what we know now as the Six Nations or the Haudenosaunee.
0: Right, yeah, and... What I learned in school was the Iroquois. So yeah, right. The, which your that's the Haudenosaunee is, yeah, is the proper the name. But name. but I really hadn't heard that until maybe the past two years. So mm-hmm. I'm it's, and it is also very illuminating to me. The yeah the roots of democracy and how mm-hmm. they yeah were working together. And I mean, I don't know the details. So is it did they do voting or was it debate? Do you know about their decision-making? I know
1: they're uh, – I don't know a lot, but I do know that the grandmothers, that the mm-hmm. women had a lot of um, influence in um, what decisions were kind of carried through. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and they appointed people too. This is – mm-hmm. we can table this, but I, I'm – you're, you're piquing my curiosity. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm ready to dig into this. So well, thank you. <laughs>
1: I'm yes. And I'm realizing what I wanted to say about Orrin Lyons. I got to hear him speak a couple of years ago at, at Fredonia and he, he was so striking. And I learned about Orrin Lyons through Bioneers and through um, direct stories from my time with Joanna Macy, who has spent time with Orrin Lyons. And he, um, he, he he did this whole talk this whole evening and at the end he goes okay y'all so like what's the story what's the narrative what's the story that's going to bring 7.5 billion people uh towards protecting the commons again Mm, mm -hmm. and and of course with my background I'm like (laughs) The story of the universe, right, like yeah, <laughs> you know, like I know, I know, like the like I know what story. It's yeah. the story of us because if you zoom out, you know that far, mm-hmm. you start to see the miracle, all of the different leap moments mm-hmm. where things could have gone another way, but they didn't.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> you know, and you yeah. got the whole thing of like, yeah hydrogen and then galaxies and then our solar system and population two stars and transiron elements and then the treasure chest that becomes earth and right. then and then all, all the life that has created on earth and you know like yeah. there's a like it all has i think that's the biggest thing it's like there's everything has a place mm-hmm. the ecosystem yeah is a brilliant.
0: <laughs> right. Have you, um, have you seen big history project? I yes, looked at that. Absolutely. I know it's a, it's a little, it's very less, similar. It's less spiritual, but it mm-hmm. is, it still look, looks at history from that really mm-hmm. big lens. And if people who are listening, you know, the yes. story of the universe and Brian swim is one way to go. I think if you're looking for a slightly different, but also very parallel, mm-hmm. um, track. Check out Big History Project.
1: David Christians, yeah. Yeah, Big
0: History, I, I do. That That moved me. Or like, uh-huh. And then in, in a similar way as the story of the universe. So, okay, I want to now bring us into 2015, Great. Western New York. I'm not sure how long you've been here, but you got involved with the climate justice movement mm-hmm. and... Can you explain how that came about? I I know that I met you during that time Mm -hmm. um, through Linda Schneekloth. and then I I loved the gathering, which was um, during, I think it was Thanksgiving weekend. It was. Um, That was really beautiful and important, and you were a huge part in organizing it and leading it. So I guess go into your... um, your perspective and how you got into the climate justice movement
1: Mm -hmm. and we
0: can go from there. (laughs)
1: Sure. Sure. Uh, Yeah. Well, I had done organizing before um, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, my, I think one of the, as well as being a psychotherapist, I'm also a yoga teacher, but I'm also a a social artist. So Mm. one of the passions that I have is bringing people together And having conversations that matter um, and and facilitating large group, small group and large group processes. So, you know, the Sierra Club put out a call for an organizer Mm -hmm. um, for the rally that we're having um, on the day that the Pope was addressing the U.S. Congress about the environment, Mm -hmm. September 25th. Yeah, 2015 yeah um so and my idea for the rally was to bring the artists together um and to really give people an opportunity to um Harness their artistry towards a larger message, which to me is one of the most inspiring things a human being <laughs> can do. Yeah. So, we got involved with um, the Just Buffalo Writing Center. You know, I made a couple of trips um, to visit the young people there and said, You know, we'd really, I know you're writing poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know? Did you know about like this this new encyclical? Did you know about you know the Pope addressing Congress? Do you know about the Paris Climate Talks that are coming up? Hey, would you wanna think about think about this larger context mm-hmm. and um, and write some stuff for us? And so they they did. So we had four or five youth mm-hmm. from the Just Buffalo Writing Center come out and um, perform some poetry. We had. Um, some local movement artists. We had a couple, we had, you know, like we had some transformation station where, you know, we made made this giant box and on one end you kind of went in and it was the the petroleum, you know, military petroleum industrial complex and then you came out and it was a... you know it was a, a world that works for all it was you know there were windmills and green grasses and drinkable water and yeah, all that yeah yeah so
0: i i remember that that was all of this was very i mean it seems like extra but it's i don't it's not mm. it's mm. it's real it mm-hmm. it it's the reason that there was an impact on that day mm. uh, i think so mm. thank you for having that vision absolutely the
1: social art yeah right I like it right and we had some kind of ship cuz we were thinking are we are we going to be climate refugees soon you know mm-hmm. d- like the, it started off as like are people going to want to leave the us because our our government's not addressing climate you know it's mm-hmm. like i think that's one of the tragedies of our time is like for some reason we're not um, we're really really struggling as as a society to um bear witness to be to be sober about Mm. the fact that we live in a context right it's not just about us like we live in something that's sustaining us Mm -hmm. but we're failing at turning our attention to the bigger picture and going oh wait this is a symbiotic relationship this is this is a reciprocal dance here. We actually have to give something back. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I th- I've never heard of the idea of being climate refugees to leave the U.S. because they're not addressing climate change. I've always been thinking about climate refugees wanting to come here because by some really warped way that life goes, um, the United States contributes more to climate change than any country most I mean it's very top yet because of where we're located there's going to be certain parts of our country that will not have the extreme effects that other countries mm-hmm. will so mm-hmm. I think you know in the future we'll be taking them in but yeah there is the other option of heading north or something <laughs> I have thought about it I don't know right we'll see right.
1: um
0: yeah that that's great uh i yeah, your, your work for the, for the rally was really good. I didn't know you at that point. I mm-hmm. did, I met you and then went to the gathering. The gathering. So yeah. that was, um, that was really wonderful. What can you think of any particular experiences from either the rally or the gathering that,
1: mm-hmm. um, stick with you today? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. One, um, was to see the 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 level of volunteers, like the amount of people who showed up to help create these art installations mm. that would be a part of the rally. Um, two on the day of the rally, we thought maybe 150 people. There were like 435 folks who showed up in Niagara Square, which was a huge. Um, it was a good signal yeah. to us, right?
0: Yeah. Um, how did you communicate with those different groups? I mean, I know you said you went to the Just Buffalo writing and were able to talk with them directly, but yeah. How, how did you connect with those other people and bring them into this?
1: So that, that is, thanks for bringing it back, the conversation back to that, Laura, because I feel like this is the, um, this is the, the game changer, Mm -hmm. you know, to, um, what kind of got unlocked in the fall of 2015, You know, um, hopefully with the other podcasts, you know, Linda Schneekloth and Roger Cook, hopefully they kind of talked a little bit.
0: Yeah, this is a parallel question. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly the same, but I am very interested in... How people communicate, find each how they find each other, how they communicate, how they work together to make something bigger than themselves. Right.
1: Well, I think you know we have to thank our elders in this situation, Linda and Roger in particular, who basically you know Roger's coming from a history of um, work with the unions, mm-hmm. and Linda's coming you know with this pretty vigorous environmental activist, you know, path and they're really good friends and old friends and they disagree all the time and they keep coming back together and working hard and they decided, you know, when the Pope, you know, it's a huge thing what the Pope did, this encyclical, like mm-hmm. putting, um, kind of everything out on, on the table. There's a poet who talks about, um, you know, an elder is someone who will take you into the woods. mm and tell you the truth,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it, and and so those kind of acts of courage really stand out yeah. <laughs> when they happen, right? right? So the, the Pope and I'm sh- I know there were things left out, like feminists were like, well, he didn't stand up enough for women, mm-hmm. but he did take a stand for the environment and he took a stand for the poor, and he's like, y'all, we got to get on this. We are in one giant boat here. Yeah, so. Linda and Roger took the opportunity to go to, you know, Buffalo's 80% Catholic. Mm -hmm. Knock, knock, knock. Hello. Um, Now that your Pope has, uh, you know, kind of come out with this declaration that we need to be really thinking about the environment and considering it and shifting our ideas and our behaviors. Can we, you want to work together? Can we work together? So, right, we've got these hands reaching across the aisle. Yeah, We've yeah. got these intersections of, of backgrounds coming together, which is where diversity happens. Mm-hmm. That's where creativity happens. That's where evolution happens. Mm-hmm. So, brilliant. They <laughs> said yes. You know, Sister yeah. Eileen, boom, yes, bring me in. yeah. They then have created, right, this whole social justice, climate justice, sorry, climate justice interfaith community that is, you know, 67 people strong and building consistently since then, still now live pulse happening, right? So then they bring in someone like me who's like been traveling around the world and like working with different nonprofit organizations, working with leaders going, okay, and and being like the little – you know, the little kid at 16 going, yeah, we're all together and we're talking about things that matter. So, so I, so one of the things, and I wasn't alone in this, this wasn't all my idea, but we, we really worked to bring in push Buffalo, Mm -hmm. the unions, the working family parties. Um, you know, I was driving to the East side, you know talking to pridgeon and his secretary like you know how would you like to be involved like this this you know this is this environmental justice this climate justice story is it 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 affects all of us there's a place at the table for all of us um getting the youth involved mm-hmm. the sierra club obviously right map you know people who were activists and working on a social level mm-hmm. but still even bringing the conversation up around climate them going I don't actually haven't really thought about climate and climate justice and how that affects you know growing food with youth or you know so it started to really create even more creative conversations between people and dialogue so here then there's the other the other piece mm-hmm. enter you know Agnes Williams and the Seneca Cayuga Tuscarora folk, boom, Mm -hmm. now we're cooking. So moment for me that stands out about the rally, and this comes from my training, like if, so yeah, so, you know, how many years of colonialism do we have? Here we are, I'm a white American in Western New York. My people came from England In the 1600s on a boat, my people have had land in western New York for centuries. What was that conversation like between my ancestors and the first people of this place? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I'm aware, you know, that I'm I'm a visitor, (laughs) you know, on a level. I'm a visitor here. Mm -hmm. So here we are in Niagara Square. I've got my little clipboard, you know. People know, oh, there's the organizer. She's got a clipboard. <laughs> so I'm walking around. We're setting up the day of the rally, September 25th. We've got a whole lineup. And I'm looking down, and I hear, where do you want the drum? <laughs> and I'm like, this energy like floods through my body, this energy that I've known before that I've described to you. And I look up, and there stands a brown-skinned man with a bear claw tattoo over his mouth. I remember him. Yes. Mm -hmm. Long black hair, sunglasses, with a man standing behind him. Mm -hmm. And I have this holy moment, right, where I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) You know, like, how this shit's getting real. Like, this here here we are, like here we are, here's the human family, here is a descendant of some of the first people of this soil mm-hmm. standing in front of me asking where to put the drum. Mm-hmm. They brought the drum and I was like, well, you could put it here but you'll probably get trampled or you could put it over here, you decide. And so, you know, this was an element that we didn't plan for or predict. Um, the organizers didn't plan for or predict, but it created um, it. Cre- it it brought it all together. It was the completion that was needed. And 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 then here was another moment of having been taught by elders, mm. thankfully, where it was my joy, my duty to kind of open the rally. But I paused. I had a moment where I could hear some of my elders kind of coming through. And it only made sense that the first peoples of this place would be the ones to welcome Mm, everyone Mm -hmm. and to begin the event. And so I turned around and walked over to who I knew now as Alan Mm -hmm. and said, Alan, would you would you welcome us in? Would you say a prayer? Mm hmm. And uh he stood up and said, "Yeah, okay." And came over the microphone. And in um, Seneca or Cayuga, um, language spoke us into this place and wove us into this experience. And to me, that that ceremony, that moment um, created an opportunity for something new to happen for for, um the possibility of wholeness amongst us as we lean into caring for our waters protecting our waters protecting the soil protecting the air um having this big conversation that matters mm-hmm. but we it's it's all of us mm-hmm.
0: yeah that's beautiful thank you mm-hmm. for sharing that that's really good um well i think we can keep shifting Mm -hmm. and to the present um if there's any last things to say i guess has anything come out of the climate justice campaign in 2015 that is still um has it evolved into something else for you today or the other way you can answer that is what are your current passion projects um which can include, you know, working towards your uh, license, mm-hmm. <laughs> but what what moves you now and is mm-hmm. if there's a
1: connection to that time, um, feel free. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so sure, on a personal level, um, on the event horizon for me is getting my professional license as a as a psychotherapist. Um, you know, the the whole, economics of, uh, a climate organizer, um, has to be supplemented at some point with something, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I work for the earth and, and have for a long time and now it's really good to get, to get a paycheck, um, uh-huh. to get supplemented for that. Uh, so yeah, on the, the near horizon, it's, um, sitting for, for an exam, professional exam. Mm-hmm. um and passing that getting my license um you know I really care about the Cuomo you know putting pressure on Cuomo to to deny the air and the water permits for the northern excess pipeline project we've, yeah we've got a you know April 7th you know it's the deadline is yeah. the deadline and so I feel really passionate about you know we've we've this you know, this, if I've learned anything from my teachers over the years, it's this idea of expanding our sense of self, Mm -hmm. right? So we've been taught that it's all about me. Mm -hmm. We're here to acquire stuff. And number one goal is to protect your own private interest, your own personal interest. And, you know, I think it, you know, that's the the formula for deep, deep suffering, right? And Mm so, um, Obviously, we have to look out for ourselves and be accountable for ourselves on all kinds of levels. Um, but to also, I think, you know, someone recently said to me, like, human maturity it, it is, is about perspective. And mm. when we can start to take a perspective that's larger than just ourselves, and and I really vote for for expanding our perspective, not just to include people of other... Ethnic groups, you know, to expand to the point where you grok you are a part of this giant, gorgeous, diverse human family. But we got to go even further. Mm-hmm. We have to include the others, you know, the the more than human others, the elements, and the other species that we that we share. That we would be tra- we would be. I mean, we're tragically impaired without them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're more than everything to us exactly um so to extend that sense of self like well i'm feeling lazy i don't really want to call governor Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. to like use that inner muscle to like to make the call to to stand up and to include the water in particular yeah. mm-hmm. in, in our in our actions
0: what kind of um work have you been doing with the northern access pipeline i i mean i was here last summer when you were constructing a cardboard pipeline mm-hmm. and what other kinds of mm-hmm. work have you been doing with that
1: yeah a little you know that was that was kind of the peak of it for me just because i've i've um been i've in the last 10 months really been pulling in to to um get my hours uh toward my license um As a psychotherapist. Uh, But so, yeah, we constructed a a cardboard pipeline and wore party hats and took out champagne glasses. And we were talking about, you know, would you like fracked water, a a fracked water cocktail? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just to, you know, it's like bringing it home. Um, And I think that three-dimensional visual is super important. I, you know, I organized uh, gathering coats for... Mm, yeah, um, I remember that, you know, it was standing rock. For standing right. rock and, you know, helping to kind of make posts and build awareness around that. And I think, you know, on the local level, the the getting a no, you know, get, getting Governor Cuomo, he turned down the constitutional pipeline. Right. He can do it. Yeah. He's got the power. You know, we want to f- we want him to finish the the ban on fracking right. and, you know, f- complete it.
0: Yeah, I don't think – I haven't talked to anyone about this particular pipeline yet, um, mm. but it, it does take fracked gas from Pennsylvania and yeah. then through New York State into Canada, so it really is no energy benefit. Not, I mean, I would prefer us to be steering away from fossil fuels anyway, exactly, but yeah. this literally is no benefit to, to New, New, New York State from yeah. an energy perspective. All it does is cut through the state and mess up streams and wetlands. So, yeah, it's and it's just, you know, one more piece of infrastructure in a dying industry. Yes. Um, So, yeah. Thank you for your work on that. And I've been trying to do a little bit of work with that on Sierra Club, um, and they're very passionate about it, too. Yes.
1: Yes. I think the biggest, you know, yes, the streams, the creeks, the wetlands that it would put in danger but it's also proposed to go under the Niagara River and you know we just again we have to be zooming out you know mm-hmm. we're old enough by now
0: <laughs> we know enough we like, know we enough we, we can't claim ignorance anymore exactly <laughs> like
1: like, if we think about the water crisis like hello you know it's yeah. only going to continue and you think about the, the resource of the Great Lakes and the Niagara River you know people are going to need these freshwater bodies of water um Mm -hmm. and and it's one
0: of the biggest sources in the entire world so yeah
1: we have to think with you know um cathedral like cathedral builders and we Mm -hmm. have to think um with million year mind you know Mm -hmm. billion year mind and i think you know it's important to think what will this choice how will this choice impact yeah um the, the whole bioregion a thousand years from now. Mm-hmm.
0: It would be a great step in the right direction if we could do a hundred or 200, but yes, I agree <laughs> <Yeah>. with you. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> a thousand would be amazing. Um, all right, well now I'm going to shift to the questions I've been asking everyone mm-hmm. and, um, you're familiar with these because we also met at ULAB, Lab, mm-hmm. so I I love um, this kind of thought experiment. But where do you experience a world for yourself or in society mm-hmm. that is dying, mm-hmm. and then where do you experience what's being born, kind of to take the mm-hmm.
1: place of what is dying? Yeah, that's great. I love those questions, and I so the where do I experience a world that is dying? So on a personal level, just um, you know the practice the practice of 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 yoga and the pra- the spiritual practice is that i'm participating in i think it the shame is the world that needs to be dying shame both internally the shame that keeps me thinking that i'm solid separate and um, and static or the you know the shame that keeps me from reaching out to a friend and saying hey do you want to you want to have dinner tonight or the shame that th- makes me think that I'm not enough that I don't have what it takes to make a difference or participate um, or even make my own life better right so so to me the spiritual practice right now for me is about com- composting that shame where does that shame live where is it hiding out mm-hmm. um, can I use the light of my own awareness as light like a torch, you know, as like a a flashlight to kind of look and see where it's still hiding, where I'm shrinking, where I'm afraid, what am I afraid of, Mm -hmm. um... And how can I use that awareness to help me surrender into trust that's deep, deep, deep in the center of my being that mm. is connected to nature and the cosmos and the whole evolution that's unfolding that is, I believe, very benevolent and very beautiful mm. um, and, and is here to be creative. So for me on a personal level to find that and allow that shame to melt and transform into power. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Into courage, really Mm -hmm. courage, power as courage. And then I think, um, I think also, I think it's a brilliant time. I think it's beautiful. I think Facebook, I think, no, one level Facebook should never replace face to face contact. The screen should you know, we're, we're at danger of the screen becoming a replacement for for, for in-person human, in human time. And a picture of nature is not being in <laughs> nature. We yeah. need to seek, you know, time in the wilds mm-hmm. and put our money and our attention and our time into protecting and preserving um, versus just photographing. Which, you know, it's like we got that lived experience is irreplaceable. Um, yeah. And the benefit of social media, I think at this moment is that you know that point in the wizard of oz where you know dorothy and 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 the lion and the the scarecrow and the tin man they're like and toto are like terrified by this big bombastic voice you know mm-hmm. like every time the they hear the voice they just shudder you know they're like oh and they just kind of like <laughs> right yeah. uh-huh. and then toto like nature maybe yeah right the one that's still ha- at least half wild perhaps like You know, takes the curtain Mm. in its mouth in his mouth and like reveals. Oh, there's it's a man. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a human. Um, That human might also have a heart the way we do. Mm -hmm. And so I think you know, social media gives us this opportunity to see through structures of corruption of um, of um, of what is the word? It's like dysfunction, right? Mm -hmm. So, so I think we live in an amazing time where we've got WikiLeaks and we've got, you know, we've got people, I have a friend, Benjamin, who's raised money to give computers to Afghani women and girls so that they can be, you know, using the inner, jumping on the internet and telling their stories and kind of revealing the the depth of dysfunction, mm. so that so that light can come through, so that people, you know, we can we can together start to see more accurately um, the systems that don't actually work, that that are for some and against most, and that are oppressive. And mm-hmm. we have this this opportunity to kind of pull back the curtain and reveal what's really going on. And yeah. I think that's a, an extreme power. And and I think, you know, Brene Brown, um, who's a fellow social scientist, you know, she's come out with this whole work on shame. And, you know, I was with a, a um, Danae woman, Pat McCabe, Woman Stands, Woman Stands Shining. I was with her at a conference in Scotland at Findhorn um, in 2014. And, um, she talked about, you know, if we don't make it through this time, you know, because it's edgy, we don't know. We're chasing our own extinction, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, we really don't know how things will turn out. And she said, you know, if we don't make it through, it's because of shame.
0: Wow, yeah.
1: Because we're ashamed. And I think colonialism, the history of colonialism, that we each as Westerners, as European Americans care in particular, like we carry this shame and I think it's really important to talk about it. And yeah. because when we talk about it, we, we take the silence and the secrecy out of it mm-hmm. and we start dismantling it. Yeah. And transforming it into something that might lead us towards a more liberating future
0: yeah exactly yeah that's it's interesting because i recently the just the word shame has come up in a number Mm -hmm. of contexts and Mm -hmm. i i agree with i agree with you i there is a chapter in women who run with the wolves uh by clarissa estes Mm -hmm. which is actually You know, Emma Watson, actress in Beauty and the Beast, she has a book club, a feminist book club, and that is the book of the month this year, or this month. So I'm kind of excited to have tens of thousands of women reading this book um, all right now. Yeah, but one of the, I don't know if it was a whole chapter or what, but I had read it about a year and a half ago, and she had talked about just the, like, this is not not quite shame, but keeping a secret and mm-hmm. how it can really destroy you mm-hmm. and from shame and all those types of things and how important it is to share those types of things that bring you shame with at least start with one person or mm-hmm. else it's going to eat you from the inside. And I, that was very helpful for me mm-hmm. and has been a big source of liberation. So mm-hmm. when you were just talking, that came up for me. So yeah. thanks. Yeah. Um, so do you have anything in particular about what is being born right now? Mm,
1: beautiful. What is being born? I think, um, I'd love to presence the word reciprocity. I've, I, I've just had such good fortune to study with. I mean, I've studied with Clarissa Pinkola Estes and, Brian Swim and Bill Plotkin and David Abram and Joanna Macy and Gabriel Roth and Melissa Michaels and thank you teachers and Krishnadas and Sharon Salzberg and others and um a little bit with Oren Re- Lyons and you know just this idea of reciprocity all of the elders talk about the need for reciprocity and this idea of giving you know like if we you know Linda Schneekloth talks about like the emerald the emerald water, the emerald channel. And what does that mean? The emerald channel is the source of Buffalo's drinking water. So mm. it's this beautiful, you could I just love this word, emerald, you know, this beautiful channel of water that that um that lives in kind of the center of, of Lake Erie. And um I don't know exactly what the infrastructure is that obviously, you know, brings us brings it to us, but um i was just thinking about like that any kind of practice personal or public practice where if we can stop and reflect on wow a clean drinking water mhm i get to drink this water mm-hmm. and you know hopefully do something creative with my life to kind of honor that water and you know i've recently um made it a personal practice to give money every month to an organization that that I believe is doing really good work mm. And you know it's, it's 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 again like finding that stretch zone where it's so being you know homo sapien sapien it's so easy to kind of like put the attention back to the self. So but what is what are those things that that we feel personally, grateful for and then what is it that we can that we can do to kind of keep it going that mm-hmm. that to me is is a feeding feeding the holy feeding <laughs> process that's that's yeah that's a generative constant being born um kind of way of participating
0: right yeah i i i've found in my life the the times where i've taken the time to give have always been either more satisfying mm. personally, even if that wasn't the goal or just things were more aligned. Mm. And there's something really beautiful about giving and yeah, reciprocity. So yes. yes.
1: Thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, we are pretty much at the end. Um, just are there any other thoughts that you want to share with people who are listening? Um, parting ideas for how to go forth
1: I guess yeah you know I had the benefit of of sitting with Elia um Delio who's who was in town this week Mm -hmm. which you know is an extension from the climate justice work that we did in 2015 the the climate um Justice Interfaith Group has continued, you know, to go forward. They brought Brian Swim's Journey of the Universe film to the Birchfield Penny, and then, you know, we just brought Elia um, to Canisius, and she talks about, um, she talked, stressed so deeply on the future, mm-hmm. and you know, the scientists talk about the event horizon she She said something like what, mean, is, she, what
0: is the event horizon? the event
1: so so the event horizon is like this it's like this i I'll do my best it's like it's this it's this generative um threshold in the in the sometime distant but near future mm-hmm. and it's this idea that you know there's these cosmological forces that are constantly shaping everything, all of us um, and so there's some there's latent tendencies in in that and so it's this idea that you know you've heard this quote that which you are seeking is also seeking you mm-hmm. so it's this idea that as we evolve as we stand up and claim and claim our lives and become more and more embodied, humans, embodied 21st century humans here now, mm-hmm. um, following our own, our own guidance, our own path that, that there's, that, the the future is also moving towards us, that we are moving towards it mm-hmm. and that it is moving towards us. And the event horizon is, um, is kind of like a promise, I think. I mean, it's a real, it's, I'm not explaining it scientifically. Is that like
0: where they meet or is that, or when you look at it, that's what you can... See, I, it's okay. You, I like, I like where you're going, but I'm trying to understand
1: it. Well, I think, I think I, I think of it sort of more metaphorically okay. as like the intuitions, like uh. any kind of intuitions of what you feel like is yours to do. Mm-hmm. And there's like a rumbling inside about it. You know, yeah. I feel like the universe speaks through us as creativity right? and there's something that is wanting to be called out of each and every one of us. And I think that's the most exciting, exquisite, luscious part of being a human being alive right now.
0: Follow-up question on that. So if, you know, someone's listening to this and they and that resonates with them, but maybe they don't know where to begin, they don't have the same experiences or background and, and training that you have in meditation. Because I'm... A, For me, when I sit still, focus on breathing, have, you know, somewhat of a daily meditation practice, that's where I can most be in touch with, Mm -hmm. you know, what I'm here to do and what most moves me as some, if someone is listening and wanted to start out to really, you know, embody their calling, what would you suggest?
1: Gosh, well, or just I'm, as a
0: first step, it, it doesn't have to be the whole thing. But where would you direct them?
1: Listen to what you're allured to. Mm. I mean, okay. that comes right from Brian Swim's work. You know, okay. listen to what what you're alert to. To you know, if you think of like, so many people say like, love is the name of the game. Love is the fabric. Mm-hmm. Love is. You know, if you think about hydrogen, the proton and the electron coming together to create hydrogen, which became like the foundation and the basis for everything we (laughs) know, you know, that kind of attraction, allurement, everything in the universe was cooling and expanding. And these tiny, tiny, tiny little subatomic particles found each other. And in the process, they created the first atom, (laughs) which became the basis of galaxies and stars and planets and Laura Evans, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like this is this is crazy amazing stuff. So, like, you know, what what do you love? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that. That's a good question to start with. I like that. That's again that shame thing. Like, Mm -hmm. you gotta melt the stinking shame (laughs) because it's the shame that's blocking us from completely embodying and embracing what we love. And it's gonna look different for each of us, and that's the beauty. Mm-hmm. That is the beauty. And whatever you can do to enhance that mm-hmm. and protect that. So it means centration, like keeping some things out. Yeah. You know, like if I eat too much pizza, my mind isn't, isn't clear enough. You know, you know, it's like what are the things that kind of delude that and what are the things that enhance that? And that's the practice. That's the spiritual practice. That's the practice is building a life where that love is enhanced and magnified and being around people that bring that out with you and for you and invite you to keep um allowing that to evolve mm-hmm. thank you mm-hmm. that's
0: amazing um well we're all done i really appreciate you being here and thank you for all of your work mm-hmm. you're helping you know mm-hmm. humans everywhere so mm-hmm. i really appreciate it and- Thanks. thanks
1: thanks so much Laura and I will be teaching a here 1.0 meditation and oh. uh, yoga course in East Aurora in the fall so oh, perfect creative wellness come find us
0: yeah yeah' I'll, uh we're gonna have extensive show notes for yours so I will have that in there too <laughs> so thank you <laughs> thank you so
1: much for doing this it's really important work you're welcome thanks mm-hmm. bye bye bye
0: thank you so much for listening to the keeping things alive podcast my name is laura evans and if you would like more information about me this podcast or other work that i care about please visit www.keepingthingsalive.org